Yes, it's me, Mark Stone, and this is the Backseat Driver Podcast. I'd like to welcome to the Backseat Driver Radio Show, Tim Longfield, Ben Longfield, and just to add to the confusion, Ben Davis, who collectively are retro defenders and retro automotive from Harrogate. Gentlemen, welcome to the Backseat Driver Radio Show. Thank you. Yeah, pleasure to be here, yeah. Right, I've been told I have to start with Ben Davis because, amongst other things, apparently he's the one that does all the talking. Ben, to start with, what exactly is Retro Defenders and Retro Automotive and how and when did it come into being? Uh, okay, so we're a custom uh, Land Rover Defender builder. Um, we do anything from day to day servicing right through to full um, nut and bolt rebuilds. Uh, we started in 2018. So we've been going for a couple of years now, and uh, from a business point of view, we are worldwide, so we'll sell to customers um, anywhere in the world. So how did it come about? Because, I mean, we're sat in your workshops, and there are uh, Land Rovers knocking about, proper Land Rovers, I hasten to add, gentlemen, you know, the ones that made Land Rover famous, not these lucky-likes or, uh, shall we say, designed for Chelsea, anything like that. These are, these are meant to, like, go off-road. How did it come about? Because uh, you, have a, you have a background in the multi-trade, and dare we say you have a background in uh, Audi. Uh, yeah, that's correct. So um, me and Tim both worked for our local Audi dealership here in Harrogate. Um, and the way that it came about was Tim actually um, had a beautiful Mark II Golf uh, that he spent a couple of years restoring and, and sort of doing up. Um, and one day I walked into the workshop and he'd swapped his Golf for a Defender, um, which I thought was quite an interesting thing to do, not knowing a lot about the def- uh, Defenders at that point, to be honest. And um, when I looked at it, I, I didn't think it was much more than... Um, how do I put this politely? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't in the nicest condition, so I thought it was an interesting choice, and I, I said as much to Tim. Um, but Tim took a couple of weeks off, uh, not long after that, and um, in the space of that time, he'd, he'd rebuilt the car. He'd actually painted it by hand in Atlantic Green, which has turned into our signature colour, um, and came back to work and suggested I go out and have a look at his car, which is what I did. Um, much to my astonishment and I didn't believe that he painted it by hand because it looked that good uh, we sort of chatted chatted about it and um, off the back of that his Instagram started to go a little bit potty um, getting a lot of followers and a lot of love for some of his cars so I think initially one of the photos that he showed me got like 5,000 likes which for me was pretty crazy because I'd, uh, you were jealous I admit it you were jealous yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I, I, mean, <laughs> I mean I'd say for me, like I'd never used Instagram, but on Facebook, I think the biggest thing that I'd ever got on Facebook was like my, my son being born, which was a couple of hundred likes. So 5,000 for what I took to be a bit of a shabby car at first was uh, a pretty amazement, uh, amazing achievement. So from that, I sort of looked at it and, and thought there might be something, you know, something in it for us. Um, and uh, after suggesting to Tim that we, we maybe did something together, I'd always wanted to build a car, but nobody in my family was ever technically minded or really wanted to do it. So um, I'd, always, I'd always sort of fancied doing it. And I suggested to Tim at that point that maybe we should um, look at building one, you know, just buying one and, and sort of doing it up ourselves and seeing how we got on. So basically, this started life as I. It wasn't your uh, intended uh, career path. It was just just do something interesting, especially after uh, Tim had introduced you to what you call a proper car. Um, it was just something that, 
shall we say, to, to while away a summer's evening and the occasional weekends? Effectively, yeah. I mean, it's, it, it kind of was an accident how, how we got here today, definitely. Um, as I say, we wanted to do it, so we actually bought a car within a couple of weeks, two or three weeks of that probably. Yeah. Um, and uh, we started that car by stripping it down in my garage, which my wife was... Um, Seriously impressed about? Yeah, not so much. <laughs> it was an ex... Uh, Army uh, Ministry of Defence vehicle, and it must have had about 300 layers of paint. Um, also, the dust in the garage might have told us. So, uh, yeah, she she wasn't that impressed by it. But um, literally within probably two or three weeks after we'd got the car, we'd actually got ourselves into this unit as well. So, it, it went from being a sort of bit of an idea of building a couple of cars together as mates into a fully fledged business in the space of about six weeks. So, um, yeah, it was definitely an interesting way to start. Put it that way. Right. Tim, I mean, you went from a Golf to a Land Rover, a proper Land Rover. I conclude you've always been a Land Rover fan. Yeah, I mean, even from an early age, um, you know, years ago, my uncle restored Land Rovers. He worked in the motor trade, and I'd always wanted one as, as, a, as a young child, but never never got one till later life, really. And then once I did get one, I discovered the worldwide uh, love for them, and uh, it's all rolled from there, really. So... The first one you got, I mean, what state was it in? It's already described by Ben as a bit shabby. Now, in the motor trade, especially when people are selling cars, not bad needs a bit of work. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you could say it was a little shabby. I mean, to be fair, it was black with chrome bits on, and when I went to look at it, I, I thought, oh, I like this, I'll buy it. But then soon after looking at pictures online of them, discovered I didn't really want a black one with chrome on and turned it into like a heritage-looking... Um, defender really and, and that that's the, where the business has come from really people seem to love that look of the of the car and a heritage uh, heritage look I mean I'm of an opinion that uh, no, I don't want to upset my friends down at uh, Jag Land Rover but when they discontinued the Land Rover they've they, they rather lost their way they more or less shut the door on a lot of their customers but I mean the original Land Rover from the series one uh, through what you call the series, the twos, the two A's, the threes, etc., and then into the nineties, etc. What what is it about the Land Rover that people love so much? And the other thing is, since Land Rover discontinued what I will always refer to as the proper Land Rover, why do you think there's been such a spike in interest in 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 the vehicles and in wanting to own them? I think I think most of it portrays. What, the way I see it is the, the the shape of the Land Rover. It's a classic shape. People love it worldwide, and they're such basic things. You know, the older ones. Then anybody can fix them and maintain them and have joy out of them and take them pretty much anywhere with the family and you know have good trips out in them. But I mean, Land Rovers were always known. I mean, I've owned Land Rovers, and it was always the case of. Uh, it, in winter time, it was invariably warmer outside of the vehicle until the uh, the warm air started blowing through those little vents. I used to have a Land Rover that there was more ice inside it than outside, and when it got nice and warm, you enjoyed your own little rain shower. Um, it's one of those strange things. We can probably rhyme off more reasons not to want a Land Rover than to want a Land Rover, but the one thing about them is they will really go anywhere, won't they? Yeah, I mean, that's true. As you've described them there, you're, you're either cold or you're wet in them. You know, they're, they're not a luxury car to drive. But if you want to go off-road or, or anywhere or drive in snow and ice, they are the one vehicle probably what can go further than any other vehicle produced. And over the years, people want to start doing them up, don't they? 
Yeah, I mean, people, you know, they, they, people over the years have started doing them up and making them look more modern and, you know, more modern colours and modern things like black windows, things like that. But uh, they, they're the sort of vehicle where you can do pretty much anything to them and everybody has their own taste in how they want to do them. So, I mean, we'll now come on to, uh, shall we say, Longfield Junior. Ben, I mean, when, when, when did you get dragged into all this? Um, I started in September last year. I'd worked in the motor trade previously. I worked for Audi, then Mercedes, and then a small independent car dealer. Um, so I'd got experience with newer vehicles, but it was completely new to me to work on something like this that's so basic and easy to work on, really. So is that, the other thing is as well with Land Rover is uh, you don't just plug a laptop into these, do you? You've got to open the bonnet and investigate. Yeah, you truly do. Um, it's a lot different to a modern car. Like you say, you can't plug a computer into it. Um, and it's probably more satisfying to fix it, really, because rather than telling a computer what to do, you actually have to do it yourself with your hands. <laughs> so, I mean, Tim, do you, do you, do you, do you run a Land Rover? Yeah, I've got, I've got, I've, I've still got the original Land Rover that, that I bought, and I still use that on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, you know, I have other cars I use as well, but I, my go-to vehicle is, is a Land Rover, whether I'm going on a dog walk or I'm going to the shops. Really, I just, I just like to drive it. Now, the one thing is, before we, uh, before we went on here, the one thing I've discovered is, your, uh, your customer base is, uh, shall we say, global. I mean, and that's like the side of it in many ways that you look after, Ben, is it not? Yeah, that's true. So um, we have a lot of interest all around the world. Um, America is a big market for us. So uh, the, the market in the States at the minute seems to be going mad and uh, the interest continues to sort of spike over there. Um, so we've got uh, one that we've just gone to Oregon. We've got another car that's going to Montana. We've got a customer in Germany that's about to take delivery, a uh, customer in Austria that's already taken delivery, a guy in France that's got one on order and uh, one in Newcastle. So we're kind of all over the place and hopefully that's the way that the business will continue to go. You know, we are will Worldwide and we're happy to deal with anybody anywhere um, thankfully the way that the world is now with technology means that you know we can be seen by anybody in any country at any time really so from that point of view it's really positive and Tim you were saying something quite interesting is when they have to, when they're exported from the UK they have to more or less leave with their original engines but when they get to final destination um, it's there's quite an interesting range of engines start to get put into the vehicles isn't there yeah that's correct i mean the import and export is different for every country but most of our um, customers are american based so the car has to be 25 years old with original chassis original engine type and original gearbox type so we tend to restore them as that vehicle to export them but then once they get to the states for example you know they can put new chassis on they can put any engines in the want really and a lot of people nowadays are putting big v8s uh, like ls3 engines out of corvettes and stuff with 500 knot brake horsepower so you know the choice of what you can do with them is absolutely phenomenal really i mean what's a 500 brake horsepower land rover like to drive uh, terrifying you know <laughs> Terry, it's, it's all right in a straight line but uh, you've got to you've got to remember that it'll only go around a corner and stop at a certain speed so you know it, it, they are good to drive but uh, you know the not much good for Yorkshire roads, let's put it that way. 
Now, I mean, your UK customers, um, the one thing is you would say you will build a Land Rover to whatever specification somebody wants. Do they supply the Land Rover or are you, or are you able to, to, shall we say, buy the Land Rover for them or whatever? We quite often uh, would, would go and find the right car for our customer. We find that's the best way to do it because we know what we're looking for when it comes to, you know, the uh, the um, car that we start with. So um, we'll, we'll work any which way. If a customer wants to bring a car to us and we do it, then we've done that before and we'd, we'd continue to do it. Um, but the way that we tend to do it, if we're going to do a full nut and bolt rebuild on a car, is we'll physically go out and source the vehicle um, for the customer and, you know, make sure that we're buying the right thing, a good square car, really. Um, that's, the, that's the way that we tend to do it. And do you sit down with the customer beforehand and discuss what what they want? Uh, I mean, there, there are some customers, no doubt, that walk out, walk out and say, "There's a there's a checkbook. It's blank. I've just signed the bottom of it. Enjoy yourself, lads." That'd be nice. Uh, no, I mean, again, with the fact that we're international. Um, actually being able to sit down with customers is something that's quite um, challenging <laughs> to be honest especially uh, at the moment with everything that's going on with the pandemic but um, we spend quite a lot of time back and forth with our customers getting specifications right you know it's not a process that's done and sort of signed overnight it's something that can take weeks if not months of back and forth and and little tweaks and little decisions to make sure that every aspect of the car is correct um, we have our style that we always want to try and impose on on the cars and make sure that when the car leaves the workshop it does have uh, you know some sort of semblance of what we're about as a, as a business um, but of course as well we've got customers there that have their idea of their dream Land Rover and what they want so um, we then work work with that as well to make sure that we're putting something together that the customer's happy with at the end of the day um, it might sound daft but a lot of the, a lot of the time is spent on whatsapp because i find it a, a great platform you can share photos you know voice messages video calls everything else so um we try and we try and keep our customers in the loop as, as often as we can um but yeah i mean it, as i say with it being an international business um it's challenging to be able to sort of sit down with people a lot of the time but um certainly from a uk point of view yeah we've had a few customers that we've come in and spent some time with um showing leather samples and all that sort of stuff to make sure that they're making the right decisions when it comes to the car so what, I mean, it's like we said, they are bespoke of these vehicles. What tends to be the most popular request? I mean, we, as I said, we can have what we want, leather-wise, seats-wise, lights, grills, wheels, and all the rest. What tends to be the most popular options? I mean, that's a tough one to answer because, again, the, you've just labelled or run off a load of the different options that you've got when it comes to the car, and, and there's so many different looks and styles that you can go through with it that it's probably tough to kind of put put a put a, an answer to that. Um, I mean, I think the, the most popular car for us that we seem to get the most interest off was um, the Ragtop, which was actually one of the first ones that, that we did. Um, and we have a lot of people that are always commenting on the, the grill, a lot of people that are always asking about the wheels. Daily basis, we're asking people asking about the wheels and stuff that's on the car. So, um, But again, that's why we, we love what we do, because there's variety in it. You know, you don't have to build the same car twice. Although people want us to, we've got one, we've actually got an order on for exactly the same car. Um, you know, there's variety there that means that people can just switch up little little elements of the car to give it their own twist, but still, still keep it, you know, looking the way that, that we liked it. So... As I say, tough one to answer that one, unfortunately. <laughs> but if I say, I say I said to you, have you got one that's complete, or would there be the intentions of every building what you might call 
uh, a retro Defenders or a retro automotive Land Rover. In case, you know, if somebody was driving past and there was one sat outside, what would be, shall we say, without being rude, the basic spec retro Defenders Defender? Uh, well, basic spec, it, again, it depends on the engine and stuff. We'd probably go for something like a, a 200. We quite like the 200 TDI or 300 TDI. Um, again, just so that it's a, a, available for export. Um, but from a basic spec, you know, the, pretty much the whole car is, is gone over. Not everything's brand new on the car, but probably 90% of the stuff is. Interior on the car would be brand new. Um, we would probably not necessarily go as um, extravagant as some of our customers have or would. Um, probably a nice sort of uh, high back seat with a decent decent standard of leather inside um, probably our, our signature colour so Atlantic green uh, our normal um, wheels that go on them, steel wheels that we go on it as well so you know something that stays in, in keeping with our style really um, we, we'd never if we're going to build a car for ourselves move too far away from what we do which is trying to keep that you know that retro that heritage look to the vehicle and not overdo it um, you can do anything with these cars but we we like to kind of keep it pretty basic so some of our favorite seats that we put in the car are, are series seats which don't have any headrests in um, but they give the car such a cool sleek look because you know they're just low low lying seats um, from a comfort point of view not necessarily there in comparison to some of the other ones but you know it just we're about aesthetics as much as anything we want the car to to look um, simple but tasteful um, so something like that I know that maybe doesn't answer your question <laughs> full on but um, it's, it's kind of a it's kind of a tough one to answer because again there's so many different choices that you have with these cars to try and definitively say this is exactly how it would look is, is tough because for me and Tim when we decide we're going to build a car we kind of do it stage by stage we have an idea of what we want to look for but then you know we like like with our customers we might tweak little bits here and there and say okay well do you want to change the bumper up do you want a winch on it or do we want a normal bumper or what about the lights or the bezels or there's so many tiny little details with these cars that you know really end up with something great um, but it's about putting the time into it and making sure that you you know you put the right details in the right places basically so whilst all this is going on ben what 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 what, what part do you play or do, do, do these two guys walk in and say uh, right take that bits um the other ben works in the office normally doing sort of sales and i thought he looked remarkably clean compared to you two guys <laughs> yeah that's right um and me and my dad tim we strip and rebuild them um i just rebuilt the engine on that td5 2002 one um which is a little bit different to the older engines obviously it's got an extra cylinder it's a little bit more complex but it's still enjoyable to do and much more simpler than modern cars really still and um, dad um how many of these Land Rovers, when they're complete, how many actually go off-road? Do a lot of your customers take them off-road? Because, I mean, by the time they're finished, and uh, I won't exactly ask how much, but they're probably not the cheapest thing uh, cheapest thing to be bear a four before a badge or a Land Rover badge. How many people actually off-road them? Well, not, not many of our customers actually off-road them. I mean, we have built a couple now for UK customers, with off-road in mind but that, that's what they want to do so i mean the, the car we've got behind us here which is one we built earlier which is in for some repairs this guy's a farmer so this one goes up. I, do, I do notice there's a nice dent yeah. up there yeah which seems a bit of a shame really but uh, it does happen on farm trucks well yeah he was uh, he was unfortunate when he did that but uh, that'll be getting repaired soon he's uh, 
I know he's uh, with all the money he spent on the vehicle. His wife wasn't too pleased when she saw <laughs> that um, bit of damage to the wing there. But uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's, we can, we can build them to go off road. I mean, we you know we often put lift kits on and stuff like that. But uh, most of our things which are getting exported are just they're just cool looking cars for you know Americans or wherever they're going just to cruise around in and look cool when they're driving them really. So you know. And you seem like America. I mean, America has produced probably some of the most iconic four-wheel drives in the world. You've got the uh, you've got the Jeeps, um, all the Jeeps and everything else is like the the Broncos and everything else. Um, yeah, what what is it? What is it about the Land Rover that appeals to the Americans? Uh, again, I think it's the the shape. I actually had this conversation with a, a customer in New York uh, last week, and um, I think it's the 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 silhouette, the shape of the car that really stands out. I think it's got more. Because I've been going, I can't really see the use of a four before in Manhattan, to be quite honest. No, I mean, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. Um, he lives in the Hamptons, and um, it's all the posh bit. Yeah. Well, I bet I bet, I bet you threw a load of accessories at that one, didn't you? <laughs> You've got to try, haven't you? Um, no, I mean he. Um, it's exactly as Tim says. A lot of the customers that that we're doing these cars for are for style more than anything more than actually using them but having said that we're, we're doing one um, got a car coming from Spain in a couple of weeks for a customer in Montana and he lives on um, 165 acre farm so you know he will use that, that car will be used as a as, a, as an off-road vehicle um, and he's actually um, another one he's got he's got a scout himself but he's always loved the style of the Defender um, so he's got he's got two beautiful old scouts. One that's just got an original patina on, really cool thing, uh, and then one that he's had done up as well. But he's always wanted a d Defender because he doesn't think there's any other car out there that has you know that same styling to it, um, that boxy sort of shape. So uh, yeah, I mean I, I, that is probably the main reason I think that from an, ex an exterior styling point of view, certainly for our customers, because as I say, majority of them aren't actually going to be putting the cars to use really for for what they are. Um, but the popularity just seems to be continuing to grow in America. Now, with all your foreign customers, which is great, I mean, you're exporting a little bit of England and you're exporting a little bit of Yorkshire. Um, how many of them actually come back for maintenance and repair or else do you, do you talk to them out there and say, well, you need to do this, you need to do that? Or do you have, shall we say, official agents? We don't at the minute, to be honest with you. It's something that we're looking into and we're wanting to have uh, in the future. Um, but yeah, I mean, we the, the biggest thing for us is that we keep a line of communication open with our customers. So it's not just a case of we build them a car and we'll never speak to them again. Um, we're there for support. If there's any questions or queries or issues that they have with the car, we're always here to try and help um, and make sure that, you know, questions are answered basically so um, plan is moving forward that yeah we probably will have some people that will work within the states um, but at the minute it's not something that we're um, we're quite there with and Tim you, you're like the spanning man you're the you're the guy who, uh, yourself and your lad are the guys with the toolkits from what I can gather uh, young Ben Davis here just likes to look, look out the window of the office and just check that things are progressing they should be when you're actually talking to a customer who will off-road the vehicle, do you do anything to them to make them, well, for most better term, do you make them better off-road than they were, or else if a customer is going to have one mainly tarmac-based, do you do anything to them to make them more tarmac-friendly? Yeah, I mean, obviously, if they're going to use it for more off-road, then we, we'd alter the suspension, we'd put more protection underneath the vehicle, uh, just to keep everything safe. Bigger, better, grippier tyres, that sort of thing. And snorkel, so they can go in deep water. 
Well, there again, if they're going to be more tire work based, we instead of raising the suspension, we lower the suspension a bit to give them a better ride feel and uh, different anti-roll bars, that sort of thing, and different tyres, so they, they can handle better on-road rather than going off-road, yeah. Um, Longfield Junior, so we can work out everything. Do you, I mean, do you ever get to, uh, when you've worked on all these, do you ever get to go and drive one of these? Yeah, I do. Um, but the other thing I notice is, compared to um, modern cars, really, the steering is very difficult. <laughs> you get used to it after about 10 miles or something, but you have to steer a lot to go in a straight line. That's what I, I said that's always been the thing about Land Rover. Uh, you, you steer a car in a straight line, but you've got to admit there's something, there's an appeal about that. When you when you get behind the wheel of a Land Rover, I conclude even one of Retro Defenders, uh, you've still got to. There's the full driving experience. It's not like the Range Rover where you just climb behind the wheel and occasionally nudge the wheel in the right direction. Yeah, um, the first time I drove my dad's one actually, I turned around a corner in town. Expecting it to... Just what you did after you drove your dance for the first time, you looked at him and said, what on earth did you want this thing for? <laughs> yeah, but the steering wheel doesn't self-centre, so I nearly ploughed into some pedestrians on the, on the pavement. <laughs> but I'm, I also struggle with the gearbox quite a lot, finding the gears. Uh, that was they cool. are in there somewhere, I can assure you. Yes. Yeah, they are, <laughs> eventually. <coughs> so... Do you ever get any any customers who want one of these but have never had a Land Rover before? Uh, and do you, do you ease them into it, or do you have to actually say, go and drive one before you come and order one? Well, much to our surprise, actually, the one that we've just sent to Oregon, um, he came over in January to come and have a look at the car, and um, Tim asked a question. Um, so have you driven one of these before? And he said, no, I've not actually sat, sat in one before. Uh, so he just spent a, a huge amount of money with us um, and he'd not even been in one, let alone driven one. So it's an interesting uh, in, interesting thing. Got another one, uh, again, another one of the states who's not had the opportunity to drive the engine that he's bought yet, but he will. I mean, these guys are, are pretty trusting. They um, kind of go with, with what we say and, and what, what we think would probably be best for them but we spend a lot of time I spend a lot of time talking to the customers ascertaining their needs making sure that you know we're going to build the right car so you're asking what we do in terms of on-road vehicle off-road vehicle and all that sort of stuff we know before we put something together for the customer that what we're building is going to be bang on for them because we've already found out you know the daily commute and all that sort of thing what they actually use the car for and from there we we put the car together and kind of work, work from there so so I conclude when you export one to whichever country uh, you're rather keen to get some quick feedback from the uh, guy that's bought it just to make sure he's actually happy with it yeah absolutely I mean feedback's vital for me it's it's probably the the most important part to our business because at the end of the day you know we are still a, a young business we are still learning and, and growing and um, you have to I, I think well, even if you're a 30 year old business I still think you need to listen to your customers and what you do and how you can change if you can change anything how you can change it what you can do better so yeah we're, we're always keen to speak to our customers as soon as they've taken the car and make sure that everything's all right and you know as I say that that continues that continues with it we always want it to be good at, good at the end of the day but you know um, and so far so good it, ha it has been for us we haven't had any issues from that point of view so it is positive so I mean roughly I mean I, I know it's all based on how many people want one but how many roughly do you retro defenders do you build a year and especially since they're all to different specifications 
Yeah, so at the moment, and with the coronavirus, we've, we've been a bit limited. We'll probably put out seven cars this year. Um, but as I say, they're, they're fully stripped back to the chassis and fully rebuilt vehicles. Um, we do have other work that we undertake in the meantime as well, you know, your day-to-day -day service and things like that. Um, but... Um, yeah, so um, from that point of view, this year we probably should put out seven. Um, we're in the process of trying to find an, a new workshop, uh, something a, a, a bit bigger because we're limited with the space that we have at the moment. So that always um, stops stops the amount of cars that we can build. But hopefully moving forward, we'll get ourselves into a bigger unit. And the idea is to put out, you know, 15, maybe even 20 cars a year if we can. But um, we still want to try and keep our cars unique. We don't want loads of these cars running around, you know, Harrogate or, or you know, America or wherever it is. We, we want them to have a little bit of uniqueness to them and, and um, be special for our customers at the end of the day when, they, when they've got them. Now, you mentioned Harrogate. Um, the one thing is, I conclude that you are, uh, do you have any local customers? Yeah, yeah. So we've got we've got plenty of local customers that um, we do more day-to-day -day servicing and things like that on. Um, we've done two full rebuilds for for customers around here. So um, one that we've got sat in the in um, the workshop with us at the minute came to us half built. Um, gentleman had it in his uh, in his barn for two years and got halfway into it and sort of fell out of love with the project. So um, in other words, he got it in bits and said. Uh, there's a book somewhere that tells me how to put this back together, but I can't find it. That's pretty much it. Yeah, Tim got Tim got the car in bits, and uh, he had to sort of work backwards and and uh, switch some of the wiring around that had been done wrong and things like that. So that just came off somebody walking past the doors. Um, we've had another customer that uh, works uh, locally. Um, same sort of thing again. Had just walked walked past because we're on a busy road that has a lot of garages down here, uh, and walked past and the same sort of thing. Um, so we fully rebuilt his car as well. So we'll deal with anybody anywhere. Um, <laughs> you're not proud. You're a Yorkshireman. Proud you've got a wallet full of cash. You're happy. Not bothered. We will deal with we will deal with anybody anywhere. You know we like looking after people. But we've got a good customer base um, locally. We don't advertise, so we've not actually done any form of advertising yet when it comes to you know servicing or for the builds. Every Everything just comes via our Instagram profile at the moment so um, that's something else that we want to sort of push out there is, is get our name out there a little bit more because I think locally probably not many people do know about us and do know that we're here but again the challenge for us being in a small workshop is that we don't really have the space to be able to do as much day-to-day -day servicing as we'd like so um, that's not an area of the business that we've pushed but um, hopefully that'll pick up and from a reputation point of view everybody that we have looked after tells other people about it and it's like anything you know it sort of spreads the word so um yeah we've got a, a good basis of customers locally but we definitely want to pick some more up and um, i mean that's the only thing you mentioned social media especially instagram that's where that's where i found you as such uh retro defenders and my good self follow each other um, but there's a constant source of uh, instagram material uh, popping up i mean who does all this is it you yeah that's my that's that, that's my job um tim did it to start off with because it was tim's page originally and then um after a while uh, i think it it uh, got to the point for tim where he wanted to have a bit of a break for it so i've done it for the last sort of 18 months something like that um and i have my good days and my bad days with it there's days where i enjoy it and there's days where you want to pull your hair out but um we found that the, the biggest thing with the instagram is you've got to be consistent so it's got to be a, a, a pretty um consistent flow of photos going on which is the other challenge you've then got to have a good backlog of uh, photos of all the cards to make sure that you, you're trying to put some fresh content on otherwise you're just recycling old stuff so um yeah that, that's kind of the next challenge with instagram but 
I mean, Ben, do you, do you get involved with the social media? Um, not so much. Uh, I'm thinking about making a page of my own, documenting all the technical jobs that I do. So the customers that are interested in how the car's being built and what the process is, that could familiarise them more with it and just let them appreciate how much depth we go in. So you actually want to tell people what goes into it. It's not just Ben saying, look at me, I'm parked in the world. Look at me. Hey, by the way, folks, before we get to this stage, this is what we go through. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. That's pretty much it, isn't it? I think, I think the difficulty... Um, Certainly, we've experimented with it on Instagram. I mean, Instagram as a platform for us is our advertising. As I say, we don't spend any money on, on advertising anywhere else. You're from Yorkshire. Yeah, well. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> what are you trying to say? You're trying to say I'm tight? No, I mean, there's, you've heard that joke, haven't you? Why is the, why is the white rose of Yorkshire white? And the answer is because you didn't mean to colour the damn thing in. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, it's an it's an interesting one. I mean, we've we've experimented on Instagram as well, and, and Ben's right. Um, we tend to on our stories put on the sort of the day-to-day -day work. I mean, we've got a beautiful car sat to the left of us, which is currently just is currently just uh, at the chassis with uh, suspension and, and the axle sort of on, and the engine and transmission and everything else has just gone on. Um, so yeah, it's. Um, it's, a, it's an interesting one, but when you put photos of, of those cars on Instagram or in that particular position, people just aren't interested or don't seem to don't seem to have the same level of interest on it. So that's kind of why the photos are all pretty done cars because that's what people seem to seem to want to look at. So. And the other thing is they're all photographed with uh, the delights of Yorkshire in the background. I must say, for the demands about my comment about the uh, Yorkshire rules, it is a very pretty county and uh, it provides the perfect backdrop. Yeah, we're very lucky with where we're located, to be honest. Sort of 10, 10 15 minutes away from where we are, there's some beautiful, beautiful settings. Uh, we tend to take a lot of photographs down at Swinsity uh, Reservoir. Actually, has a bit of a special meaning for me because we've got a bench for my memorial bench for my dad down there, so it's kind of a double bubble. I always want to go and take as many photos down there as I can, really. So, so basically, retro. If you type retro defenders into uh, Instagram, you'll pop up. Retro underscore defenders. Right, and then there's the retro automotive. That's right. So um, one of the big things that we want to sort of, uh, or want our customers to understand is that although yes, we are uh, specialists in defenders, we are specialists in Land Rovers. We know what we're talking about. We know what we're doing. So um, we didn't want to um, people to solely think that all we were interested in was was defenders because you know we'll look after any car, we'll, we'll service any vehicle, we can repair any vehicle from that point of view. I mean, we've actually just last week went and bought a uh, Range Rover Classic. A three-door left-hand drive Range Rover Classic 1983, um, which I've not seen a chassis like it. Um, the car spent most of its life in Monte Carlo, so uh, it's a great, great example of a vehicle. And we're planning on um, doing that, so we'll fully rebuild that vehicle uh, in the next six months, probably, when, when we get the chance to do it. And again, just to showcase that although our bread and butter is Defenders, and you know we're pleased and proud of what we do with Defenders, there's more to us than just doing defenders you know we have the opportunity to do other vehicles as well gentlemen tim ben and ben i wish you all the best i look forward to coming back and seeing this range rover when it's finished but once again gentlemen thank you very much for joining me on the backseat drive radio show here on dry stone radio gentlemen thanks very much all the best and i hope to see you when uh, the range rover is knocking you out thank you very much thank you for having us Cheers.